Hello everyone, my name is Kendall and welcome to Unofficial Book Club, where life and stories meet. And just like any book club, we'll only be spending half the time actually talking about books. In these episodes of this podcast, I will be sitting down with various guests to connect over who they are, their happiness, and lessons they've learned. I believe life is like a book. Each chapter is a piece of our development and growth with the good, the bad, and everything in between that ultimately makes up our story. Now, before we get started, I want to remind you that my guests and I will be sharing our own personal experiences and opinions throughout this episode and all future episodes. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode. I'm really excited to have this guest on. Unfortunately, it's for the second time just for this episode because as I've said before, I'm not a sound engineer. And so the first time we recorded this episode or this set of episodes, um, I didn't really like test the audio. And I just like assumed I had it down at that point and I didn't. So welcoming back for the second time to do this all over again, and hopefully the last, is my friend, my very dear friend, Leah Calibro. Leah, thank you for being here again. Thank you so much for having me again. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to tell you all now, listeners, when we get to the book club episode, we probably have talked about the majority of the books that we'll talk about then, and you'll just get a reaction for the second time. (laughs) But to give a little bit of background about my friend Leah, she got her BFA in dance and history, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, BFA in dance, BA in history with a minor in Judaic studies. There you go. From the University of Massachusetts Amherst. We met when she started at GW Law School here in D.C., and during her time at law school, she also studied at Oxford. She is currently the visiting associate professor and fellow in the International Comparative Law Program at GW. Wow. That, I mean, we'll get into it, but (laughs) who she is to me, like I said, she's one of my dear friends. She's someone I know who probably dances more than me when we're out and about and truly just doesn't care about the world around her. She's fiercely independent, which is something I very much admire. And she did independent traveling this summer, which is something I really admire. I think you're very direct. I think you're very brave. I think you're very confident. And you just, I think you just exude that in every room and very sure of yourself and who you are in that room. And Yeah, you're like easy to say no when you don't want to do something or when you're not feeling it. I think you just, you're just confident and you're sure of yourself. And I really admire that and envy that. And welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It has taken a long time to get to that place. (laughs) And some of us are still working to get to that place. So, you know. And you know, it's not a straight line. It isn't. Yeah, you take some detours along the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but tell us a little bit about you, what you would like to share. Oh my gosh, where to begin? Um, <laughs> let's see. I also feel like, so we're doing this on a weeknight. So my mm. mind is immediately straight to work because mm-hmm. that is just Monday through Friday, pretty much all I think about. Um, and so- you're about to start the new school year, which is exciting. You'll be teaching two different classes this time, which is exciting. So I get where your head is. Yeah. Yeah. Orientation is next week and it is like impending doom, (laughs) but it's exciting. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I grew up in New Jersey, like you said, did undergrad at UMass Amherst. Um, I went straight through from undergrad to law school. Wow. Uh, Yeah. We were a minority. Most people (laughs) take a couple years before they go back. Um, But so I went to law school kind of thinking that I wanted to do international law, but went in with an open mind because everyone was saying, you never know what's going to speak to you. Mm -hmm. Um, I really tried, nothing else spoke to me. So continued on that path. Um, And then graduated in the height of the pandemic, uh, did half of law school via Zoom U, um, which was quite the interesting experience. And then I did another job for about eight months and applied for my current position on a whim and ended up getting it, which was incredible and shocking um, and very exciting. 
and now I'm entering my second year of my professor slash fellowship. That's super cool. And I mean, you're so young to be doing that. That's insane. And I just, I think it's so like, I just think it's so cool, like an overused word, but I think it's just so cool. And I think being brave enough to take that on and stand in front of a classroom of students and discuss the things that you discuss for your class, which are heavy topics, I think is really cool and really interesting and really awesome. So tell us a little bit about your classes. Yeah. um, So I taught my first class last spring um, and I taught international criminal law. And I'll be teaching that both semesters this year. Um, And so last fall, I did not teach a class. So I kind of used that time to like brainstorm ways that I could branch out and Mm -hmm. I don't know, better, not better, like to contribute to the program. That was, Mm -hmm. that's the word. Um, And so I decided to propose this um, one credit course on victims' rights. Mm. So I did all the like, syllabus planning, the course plan, um, submitted it to the faculty committee. I don't even, some committee, I don't remember the name of it. (laughs) It just goes to show how I've only been in this for a year. (laughs) Um, And they approved it. And so now I'll be teaching that in the fall as well, which I'm very excited about. That's so exciting. And that's so interesting of a topic and something I think to learn more details of would be really enlightening especially for international law yeah it's definitely I was honestly surprised that there wasn't already a class Mm -hmm. about it so there we have like international human rights law Mm -hmm. we have other human rights based courses but there's nothing solely focused on victims rights and I know that it is a full course at some other law schools um yeah wasn't quite ready to do a full course because I'm still learning about it Mm -hmm but I'm excited for just to offer that one credit. It's going to be mostly like discussion-based and it's something that I'm doing research on for a presentation I have in September. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it'll all coincide and help each other and yeah. won't be taking on all these different <laughs> things. They're all yeah. in harmony. So. Yeah. For you listeners, I just want to kind of give you a heads up that we are going to be talking about some very heavy topics. It's going to be surrounding different human rights issues around the world throughout history in past and present. And so if that is not something that you'd like to listen to, you should fast forward a few minutes, but just as a trigger warning for everybody listening. And so tell us a little bit about your research. And when I say that, having recorded this the first time, can you give us as well the background information for those of us who don't know anything about it? Yeah. Um, So first, what I was just talking about is different than I think even what you know. Um, Mm. So I am doing a presentation at the War and Peace Conference in Budapest um, in late September, and I'm going to be doing a presentation on the trust fund for victims and whether or not that's the best avenue to get victims reparations and other assistance and whether or not it should be independent of the International Criminal Court. Um, basically, it's a branch of the International Criminal Court that allows victims to get aid and reparations prior to any type of conviction related to what they're injured by. Interesting. Um, yeah, so I'm. my plan is to really dive into that next week. <laughs> I have my to-do list very yeah. structured. Um, and then my other research project that I'm doing right now, which I'm I told my boss today I'm sending her a draft on Friday, so I have to have it done on Friday. Gosh, I was like, I'm going to give myself some accountability. I'm telling my boss. (laughs) So that is about finding justice for the Yazidi women victims of the Islamic State. Um, Background on that. So in in 2014, um, the Islamic State took over control of Iraq and they invaded the Sinjar region, um, which is where the Yazidi population mostly lived. And they are a minority religious ethnic group. um, And the Islamic State saw them as infidels because they didn't have the same religious beliefs as them. And so they were incredibly aggressive and horrendous in their treatment of these people. There are 
reports of mass killings. Um, they enslaved most of the women and children and used them as sexual slaves, as any type of really any mm-hmm. horrible thing you can imagine one person yeah. doing to another is what happened. Yeah. So it's definitely a very difficult Hard topic. Yeah. yeah. It's difficult. Heavy. To, yeah. To dive into it. Um, but it's definitely, it's so important. And I feel the weight of the work that I'm doing because mm-hmm. I know that this deserves so much more attention than it's getting. So I'm hopeful that by doing this work, I'm presenting on it in November at the American Society of International Law mid-year meeting in Pittsburgh. And then I'm hoping to maybe present it one to two more times and then publish it. So I'm hoping that by talking about this, I'm spreading the word even just a little bit more than it was. Yeah. No, that's amazing. And that's really heavy, but like, what a great thing that you get to like help in, in any way that you can and, and bring to light if those who don't know anything about it. I am curious about for your first kind of research project, how does it work to get any kind of, for the trust, to get any kind of reparation Mm -hmm. for the victims before it even goes to court? How do you validate that they were victims? And I say that knowing that I believe everybody and everybody, everybody's story, but I'm just saying hypothetically, like, how does that work? Yeah. So it's definitely different than like a domestic criminal trial, because in those situations, it's uh, the I mean, horrible things happen domestically. Right. Like there's murder yeah. rape in a smaller yeah every day. And that's mm-hmm. horrendous. Mm-hmm. But when you're dealing with things at the level of international criminal law, you're looking at crimes like genocide, crimes against humanity, war crimes, yeah. crime aggression, like these things. You might not have convicted an individual for them, but there's really no denying that they happened. Um, So that's That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of amazing. I mean, like you said, you can't always do that for domestic or, or smaller scale crime in that way. And so that's kind of amazing that it's acknowledged. Yeah. 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 Uh, the yeah. U.S. should not. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but that's kind of amazing. Yeah, but that—that's why I'm looking into it because there are still, it's not quite as accessible as I think yeah. it needs to be because there are still some ties to like whether or not you're you're a state member of the Rome Statute, which is the statute that creates and gives power to the International Criminal Court. Yeah, and like a lot of the countries that are committing these atrocities are not. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard to find, this is something that I'm still researching. So if what I'm saying is not exactly right, that's a disclaimer. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I'm, I'm curious if there's a way to make it more of an independent body from the ICC to allow it to be more, more accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. So have, when did you know that these topics or international law or anything of this, you know, category that you're kind of talking about, you were interested in? And at what point? Because before you went to law school, before you went to college, like when did it kind of spark the interest? So I would say probably when I was like eight. Oh, that's a, sounds like the right age for, you know, those kind of topics, Leah. Um, What were you watching? Not yeah. I (laughs) (laughs) so it was the first time that my family came to DC on a family Mm. vacation. I think it was like spring break when I was in third grade or something. Um, and we went to the US Holocaust Memorial Museum. Um, and that was just like such a powerful experience for me. Um, and I don't know, I just like I had such an emotional response to it and felt very strongly yeah I don't know if connected is the right word but I just I felt invested in the fact that why are we not talking about these things more why you know and and like yes people talk about it yes it's known all these things but I still that has just like kind of carried me through and then yeah um in high school I took um 
I was very lucky to go to a great public high school and we had a Holocaust studies course. So I took that. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was an incredible course. Loved my teacher. Um, and then alongside that, I applied to do um, a Holocaust studies exchange program. Um, so I was able to actually go to Poland and the Czech Republic and to visit sites and other museums abroad all about this topic. Um, I lived with a Polish mm -hmm. family for a week. It was like one of the best experiences of my life. Um, and part of that was we went and visited the concentration camp Majdanek. Um, and that that is something that has just like emotionally stuck with me. I went to the Holocaust Museum again this past maybe February. Um, and when I got to the memorial, you know, the candle memorials in yeah. that room, when I got to the spot in front of my Donick, I just started crying, like had, didn't feel it coming at all, but it yeah. was like all that emotion from the time that I was at the camp Yeah. Up, and it was like that truly that experience at that concentration camp, because it's just, it's so crazy. You walk through, people are treating it like a park. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, are walking their yeah. dog through it yeah you stand at the final memorial which is literally a dome and then underneath the dome it's filled with people's ashes and you can look to your right and see the back of people's like suburban homes yeah. and it was just so it was the contrast just hit me like a yeah. bag of bricks and I was just like how are we I know. We'll desensitized to things like this. I know. I um, mean, let's not even talk about our own U.S. history, but no, I totally. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. My, and then like my senior thesis for college was pretty much based entirely on this trip, too, because we were then at the point of, oh, my God, the U.S. is falling into borderline yeah. fascism. <laughs> and I was like, how are we not? seeing the parallels between how yeah. our dialogue yeah versus the dialogue that existed yeah. back then yeah so yeah I yeah which a lot of Hitler's you know things were taken from our history anyway so like that just that circle is I mean you can trace Hitler's on us. ideologies and language back to yes. ancient times yeah so none of this is new and it's that's why I think it's all the more infuriating that we keep yeah. repeating this pattern. And even like there's a few of us out here calling it out, but it's yeah. not enough. Yeah. No, I like when my family was living in Germany, we visited, we we traveled and we saw Auschwitz, and that was like jarring. And just like you said, it just like you just feel heavy and it's just like. I felt claustrophobic in certain moments. Like I just felt like I couldn't even breathe my own body. It was like, it's so horrible. And then there are other like concentration camps or what used to be that, like you said, are right behind a normal neighborhood. And I mean, that in and of itself is just wild, but it like at some point they have to rebuild and kind of move on. And I think I will say, I think Germany does a very good job of kind of commemorating and, and having those memorials and yeah you know, acknowledgement and whatnot. And that's beautiful. I think our country could learn from that a little bit. Um, but, it's, but it, I think it's, it's even, it signifies something more than that, because I don't think that those houses are new. Like no. people yeah. are living that close to these plate. Like mm -hmm. it's just, it's a reminder of the fact that yeah. turn a blind eye to stuff like this and let it yeah. happen. And yeah. it's very upsetting. Yeah. yeah. And it's wild that you like when you talk about a topic like genocide or something that massive, the Holocaust is the first thing to come to my mind. And I feel like in some ways, it's the only thing I learned about in, high, in school at all to that magnitude of that topic. But like your research and uh, like this has been happening throughout history and continues to happen and is happening now. And it's just like all of these different countries and different places have this, these horrible things like that happen. And you know, to bring light to that is and acknowledge that and that and like validate that experience is. Yeah. And like the Holocaust wasn't awful. the first, you know, no. the Armenian genocide, you have 
Mm-hmm. Only, you know, a couple decades before the Holocaust, the Germans committed another genocide in Africa. Um, and not a lot of people know about that. So it's... I didn't even know about that. Like, that's I, awful. I want to say the name of it, but I don't know. It's the Herero and Namaqua. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 It's just, it's wild. Yeah. It's... Oh. Yeah. Wow. But that's, that's amazing that you've now put this into your work and are doing something with it and the classes that you're going to teach how enlightening and to sit around with those students and have those discussions and do that. That's very, that's really cool. It's very interesting. Yeah, I definitely, it's something that I could probably talk about 24 seven. Yeah. Um, so it's good that really none of my other friends work on this stuff because that could be a little I bit could, I could hear about it forever yeah. I think it's yeah. just it's educating it's interesting it's sad it is something that you know as you say it I sit here and I'm like I should know this and that's like a horrible feeling right like you, these things are happening like we should be able to talk about them we should be able to like do something if we can or just have not let these things be forgotten yeah it's it can be an overwhelming thought. Yeah. Because there's also only so much we can do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But that's why I chose law school as opposed to getting a PhD in history, because I wanted to maybe potentially be able to actively work on ongoing human rights abuses and rather than just talking about what, what happened. Yeah. To switch gears a little bit, I kind of said this at the beginning, but you did a solo trip in Europe this summer, and I think it's super cool. It's something I really would love to do, a solo trip. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what that experience was like for you? Yeah, so it's definitely been something that has been on my bucket list for a very long time, probably since I was in high school. Um, And so I just decided, you know, my work is going to pay for my flight because I'm going to do this course in Italy. So why not tack on a week of just me doing my own thing, traveling around? Um, now's the chance, you know, seize the day. Yep. <laughs> um, so I decided to go to um, Austria and Slovenia, and it was incredible. Um, I also, though, Slovenia was just hit by horrendous flooding, and they are oh, no. struggling right now. Yeah which is very sad. Um, I, I think it happened like yesterday or the day before, and I am very sad about it. Um, but I hope that they are able to rebuild. Um, and I, then I recommend that everyone go there because it is a stunningly beautiful country and all of the people are incredible. Um, I really had the best experience. I met so many people that I probably would not have interacted with had I been with someone else. Mm. Um, yeah. And it just, it was a very, freeing and um reaffirming experience yeah I just I recommend that everyone do it I yeah. Don't <laughs> yeah yeah and like how much research did you do beforehand being a single woman by herself because oh, unfortunately that's like the world we live in yeah um <laughs> I'm gonna be honest my planning for this trip was kind of haphazard <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did before I booked my flight, like research mm-hmm. safe countries for solo female travelers, um, or like cities. I don't know what I yeah. exactly, but Vienna, Austria and Ljubljana, Slovenia were on like all of the lists. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. For my first yeah. trip, I'm going to go to these places. Um, yeah. yeah. And that was a great decision. But as far as like what I did day to day. I probably planned that like two days before I left. (laughs) But you don't have anybody else to plan for. So like you get to do whatever you want. Yeah. I used the New York Times 36 hours in blank city for Mm. and Ljubljana. And that was super helpful. Um, I'm planning to do the same thing for Budapest Mm. because I won't have that much time there. Um, But I think their hop on hop off is pretty good. What is that? My family and I do it. Not in every place we go, but like, especially if we have limited time in a city, it's very touristy, but it gets the job done. It's right. literally a bus that goes around the whole city and it stops you at every important monument, museum, thing, whatnot. 
just and you just hop on hop off hop on hop off you can ride it the whole way and just tour the city as they talk oh. and give you a tour and it's really helpful like I've done it before with friends when we have like one day somewhere and we're like like in Portugal we had like one day in Lisbon and we were like let's just do the hop on hop off bus and we can get off if we see something we want to do but like it's a very quick and easy touristy way to kind of see all of these big things um but yeah that one's a good one and then do a night cruise on on the river in Budapest Uh, it's like beautiful that's what I would suggest I'm so excited okay I'm excited for you wow you're just like knocking out so many places this year yeah 2023 has been a very busy year (laughs) very exciting though with all of the then work stuff that you get to do as well that's super cool yeah no I feel very grateful very lucky yeah yeah I'm I'm definitely not taking any of this for granted (laughs) yeah being very valued yeah Well, that kind of is a nice segue into my first topic at hand, which is happiness. So Leah, can you give me your definition of happiness? Okay. So the first time I answered this question, I think I rambled a bit. Let's see if I can be a little bit more (laughs) to the point round two. Um, So for me, I think happiness is finding passion. And that can mean whatever you want it to mean in your own life. But for me, like I found passion in my career. I have passion in my hobbies. I have passion with my love for my friends and family. And I just think that that is such a strong driving force that even when you have days that you don't necessarily feel your happiest, you have something within you that still brings you contentment and peace because you know that you're living your life true to your passions. Yeah. I like that. I like that answer. That was completely off. The, I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> no, but I, yeah, I like that answer though. That's a good way to say it. Cause at the end of the day, like, even if you're having a bad day, like you have so much love and admiration for the people or the thing or whatever that you feel, like you said, like contentment and you feel good. Yeah, like and this, this you, too shall pass. Exactly. And if you can't find passion with your job, which I know a lot of people can't, yeah. You can find it in other ways and that can be the motivating force in your life. Yeah. Or you can't find a hobby you're passionate about, but you're passionate about your job. Like it's, I just think happiness is very subjective. And so for me, I think framing it in the viewpoint of passion is more, it can really mean anything. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And so what makes you happy? What are some of the things that make you happy? Oh gosh. Um, these questions, man. <laughs> You've already done that. Oh, my God. <laughs> but it still feels very scary. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay. What are, what makes me happy? Definitely spending time both alone as well mm-hmm. as with my core friends and family who I love dearly. Yep. Um, and then I also really enjoy being active. Um, I grew up dancing pretty much 24 seven. Um, that has kind of taken a backseat to everything else going on in my life, but I still am a frequent visitor to the gym. Um, I'm a kickboxing coach at the moment, yep. which has been a blast. I had my first shift last week and it was so fun. Oh, I'm glad. Oh, it was a blast. I was exhausted by the end of it, but it was so fun. You need to get me a free class. Yeah. Oh yeah. Come do a free trial. It'd be so fun. Um, Yeah. So I think being active, being, I really enjoy feeling healthy. Mm. So I think that that I'm not always the best healthy, healthy eater, but you know, and we all partake in a glass of wine from time to time, but I do enjoy prioritizing, trying to make myself feel as healthy. Mm -hmm. as I think that that's also happy as healthy as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're a fairly healthy eater. I mean, one, you and I both have food allergies, but otherwise, like compared to other people, eat chocolate chips before we start. Okay. Well, that's a whole different thing. You and chocolate is its whole other relationship. That is my my kryptonite. (laughs) Yeah. You and chocolate are like, you chocolate and potatoes are like me and French fries. Like it's just an unfortunate love affair. Game over. (laughs) So then how do you balance your stress and those kind of things in your life, especially because your work discusses some very heavy topics. Yeah. Um, I am a big fan of the calendar, big fan of the to-do list. I feel like 
that decreases my stress a lot just by mm-hmm. knowing, okay, this is how I'm going to fit it all in. And yeah. Um, and then on top of that, making sure that I prioritize time to work out because that, mm-hmm. that is my stress buster. Um, like some people like to cook, some people like to yeah color or do other things for me. It's like, I need to sweat. Like yeah. I just need to get it out. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. You and I are very similar. The to-do list, the calendaring, all that Critical. have it written down. If it's not written down on the calendar, it's not happening. Well, like today I got my car safety inspection done this morning, but I didn't have it written on my to-do list. And <laughs> very like sad that I couldn't cross something. <laughs> <laughs> very teachery thing to do too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's funny. This is kind of an interesting question I like to ask. Has there ever been a m- moment or something in your life that didn't go as it was supposed to, or as you planned it to, but ultimately the outcome was great or better than you could have imagined or good. The first thing that comes to mind, which I'm sure isn't the only time that this has happened, but um, my first job out of law school was not doing anything that I wanted to do, was not doing anything I was interested in. Um, I was a law clerk for a government contractor working on fraud cases, doing document review. None of it, that was not triggering my passion at yeah. all. Um, so that was, uh, that was kind of a disappointment. Like I was at the point where I had just taken the bar exam. I really just wanted to, you know, start my life post-law school and was kind of willing to take anything at that point, just because mm-hmm. I wanted a job so I could pay my bills. Yep. You know, the important things. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, so that I think was something I had, I had much higher expectations for when I graduated to have a job that I was passionate about. Um, and when that didn't happen, that was a disappointment, mm-hmm. but that allowed me to be more, um, what's the right word? Flexible. Receptive. Oh, okay. When I saw the opportunity to apply for my current job. Mm. I think if I had taken another job that I valued a little bit more or was a little bit more interested in, mm-hmm. I would have felt committed to making it through a year because yeah. you have to do one year, blah, yeah. blah, um, which is not true. I completely throw that out the window. Also, I'm definitely losing my voice. So let's see if we make it through this. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was in a job. Yeah not loving but it allowed me to feel comfortable applying for this job before I hit the earmark and mm-hmm. I am forever grateful that yeah it's turned out how, how it has yeah no that's that's a interesting one especially I think about the people like yourself who when they went to school studied something very niche that like I came out of college and I was like, I don't even know what I'm going to want to do with my anthropology yeah. degree. I just know what I'm interested in and then kind of like move forward. But to have an idea, like you do expect that, like you're going to find a job in that because that's what you kind of like pursued and for and like move forward in. But I'm so glad it worked out that way because you have a really cool job now. Just saying. <laughs> and so what are you most proud of? Oh, no. <laughs> what am I most proud of? Hmm. I would say the job that you have is I'm really proud of you. Like that's kind of insane and amazing. And to have that in your mid twenties is like insane and amazing. And what a great experience. It definitely, I even, I think I would go a little bit more narrow than that and Mm. say the relationships that I've made in this job. Oh yeah. So I, I would say like, I truly I have probably the best boss that I will ever have in my entire life at the moment. Oh, yeah. Like she's incredible to work with. I feel very supported. I yeah. also have a lot of autonomy, which is really nice. Um, and then I'm also very lucky to work for a program in which the faculty is incredible. Um, I'm lucky to be working with professors that I used to work for, mm. um, And I just feel like I get to meet new, incredible people all the time. I've met several ambassadors, which I never would have expected I'd have an opportunity Mm -hmm. to meet. Um, I'm constantly fangirling over people that (laughs) 
I, I never, yeah, I could name drop right now, but I don't know that it would mean anything. To me. <laughs> it's like the international law geek moment. Mm-hmm. I just, it's really, yeah, I, I'm constantly in awe of the people around me, and I think that that's, I'm, I'm proud to be in a position where I'm able to mm-hmm. meet people and connect with them and talk with them as people and not just scary people that I'm afraid of, like. <laughs> Mm -hmm. that have a career that I would aspire to have um it's very cool yeah Mm. is that is that a weird thing to be proud of no I think that's great I think that that's yeah because I've heard the like you talk about some of the people that have come and spoke at things or you know whatever and you can see the excitement and the admiration and and just like what that means to you and I think that that's freaking out 24 seconds yeah and how lucky are you when I'm at work (laughs) have to play it cool I see everyone, all my friends. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> guess who I met today. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. And so what are some of the lessons that have been the most impactful in your life? Oh man, um, this is a thinker. Obviously, okay, well, living in the moment, I think is one that everyone struggles with. Yeah. It's to be taken to heart. And I'm constantly reminding myself of that, but on a broader scale, I think I'm really trying to find the balance between life is short and you only live once. And also it's just life. Mm. Cause I feel like when you lean too far in either direction, you're missing out on the full yeah. experience. Um, so I think I guess the life lesson there is, is to find balance between Mm -hmm. extremes and Mm -hmm. how you approach your life. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that that's coming from a lot of experiences where I have leaned one way or the other a little bit too much, or just been hyper aware of the fact that we are very, uh, what's the word impermanent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'll go with that. Yeah, no, I agree. I like, there are moments where I just, you're like, gotta take life and live it to the fullest because you're only here once and life is short, blah, blah, blah. And then the other side where I'm just like, I am literally one speck in this universe. Like this isn't that serious or it's like not, you know, and I think. Right. Yeah. And like making this one decision isn't going to ruin my life. Yeah. Yeah. The right one. Yeah. And that not every decision is as detrimental as I think it is. Like I think leaving my previous job and it feeling like the most daunting thing and having to have a job immediately after and feeling like, what does it mean to leave this? Did I hit the two year mark or whatever? And like all these things. And then I step out of it and I'm just like, that meant not, like, not that the job meant nothing, but like that decision is like such a normal one and like so trivial and like, it's okay. Like just yeah. like you can, you can leave it and, and it's, it's okay. Like, right. Like, and when you yeah. look back on your life, it really is just like one little moment in time. Literally, literally. Yeah. It feels like the end of the world when it's happening, but yeah. So many things do. And like being able, yeah, I tell, I, I try to tell myself a lot of the time where it's like, will this matter in five minutes? Will this matter in five hours? Will this matter in five days? Will this matter in five weeks, et cetera, et cetera. Until like, and if I can't say that it'll matter in whatever that time, like. Yeah. And like, it's never too late to start over. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've worked with people who have had multiple careers and yeah multiple families, multiple. Yeah. Like, you know, there's never, you typically don't have just one chance at what you want. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I'm turning 30 in January and that consistently feels like a very daunting thing. And I don't feel personally, like I haven't hit things. I mean, there are obviously like achievements I'd like or things I want in my life, but like, I don't feel like that number, like it's a disappointment that I don't have it by that number. But I think society has put that on women, especially for so long that like, I'm feeling that 
from like this pre-existing state of mind and you know societal pressures and I'm really trying to like ignore it because at the end of the day like it's not that serious it's not exactly it's just like yeah so yeah Yeah. literally and ultimately I need to stop making friends with people that are younger than me like you like I just maybe (laughs) I should make friends with people in their 30s so that I feel better (laughs) just kidding (laughs) kind of Um, (laughs) I am the first one I think of like the majority if not all of my friends to like hit 30 I'm pumped for 30 (laughs) Great. I'm excited for you to get to 30. You you feel like you have a little bit more of your life together than I do in some respects, but like you'll be fine at 30. I feel like I'm already 30 in my head. I think you're already 30 in your head. Every yeah. time you, ce- truly every time we celebrate a new birthday for you, I'm like, how old is she again? Like it really, there are moments where I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure? Cause you, you seem older. You're a Person wise time. old soul. I, I swear it's because of my sister. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the oldest. You're the baby. Like it's very different. Yeah. I feel like, especially because I'm very close with her. I, I have to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And so what is the hardest lesson you've had to learn or a very hard lesson you've had to learn? You're not going to be happy all the time. Mm. Yeah. I think that that's, I had a very scary health situation in college and I came out of that being like, again, life is short. I leaned way too far into that. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I never want to be sad again. Yeah. (laughs) I don't ever want to have a bad day. I'm going to take life by the horn. Yeah. Yeah. As if you can control that every time too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I mean, I had a good run. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it definitely, I just, yeah, I, I have been, you, we all have been beaten down by life to a certain yeah. extent. And I think swallowing that pill of life is hard and you just kind of have to roll with the punches. I feel like I'm speaking in phrases here. But, yeah. Just um, all these metaphors and like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was, I, I'm very grateful that I have learned that. But it was definitely a hard mm-hmm. lesson to learn. Yeah. Yeah. For to sure. really understand that you don't, you can't control it all the time. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. What's something you would tell your younger self? Trust the process. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I feel like I, we were just talking about this before Shh. we started recording. You're, you're talking to a control freak. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> We are planners. We like Mm -hmm. control. We like organization. We like Mm -hmm. our calendars, our to-do lists. Yes. And I want all the details the whole time. Yep. But sometimes you're just walking through life completely unaware Mm -hmm. of what awaits you. And you just got to lean into it. Yeah. Process. Don't freak out that you aren't where you want it to be yet. It's Mm going to happen at some point. I'm a big believer in the universe and mm-hmm. it happens for a reason. So you do believe everything happens for a reason. I do, but it's not always a good reason. Okay. Or it's not always a productive reason. Okay. Like, I think you have to fall down a few times in order to get back up. Maybe the, when you're falling down, it's not always fun. It's not always for some profound reason, but yeah. it doesn't have to happen for you to then get to where you're about, you're meant to be. Yeah. So then how do you feel about regret? Oh, Is that man. something you have? It oh. kills me. Yeah. <laughs> it kills me. You triggered something. Within me. What? Yeah. Literally the most <laughs> like biggest reaction. <laughs> I, um, I drive myself crazy thinking about it because I have such a torn thought process about it. Like I, people always say like, live life. So you have no regrets, blah, blah, blah. But that's impossible. Yes. I'm sorry. You do not know everything that you want out of life when you're a teenager, twenties, thirties, forties, when you're a young adult. So obviously you're going to have some type of regret. 
Yeah. And like, I'm sure that there's a way to reframe it in your mind so that it doesn't feel like regret. Instead, it feels like a lesson learned or, yep. and that's healthy, I think. And that's a great way of looking at it, but yeah. it's not the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I really, I really struggle with this question because I don't know, like I, I think regret is part of life. I don't think you should live your life where you're constantly feeling regret because you're mm-hmm. out of fear and you're afraid. Yeah. But I also think it's a natural feeling. Yeah. I like, we've all said something that we've regretted. Mm-hmm. We've all, you know, decided against doing something that we've regretted, yeah. decided to do something that we've regretted. Like it's, yeah. it's just, it's part of growing up, living and learning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the key part, right? Like learning. Like, I think that's the way I have to take my own regrets. So I don't drive myself crazy is being like, well, if, if you regretted that, like, what are we going to do differently in case something similar comes up? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so some, some people could frame that in a way of it's a lesson learned. Yeah. But it's also, it's yeah. You had regret. Right. Right. Like that's what triggers. Yeah. 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 No, for sure. When do you feel the most challenged? Ooh. Oh God, this could be so many things. Um, Every social engagement I go to. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah. Low key. <laughs> um, I don't, there's so many different types of challenges, I feel like. So yeah, yeah I'm trying to pick one to go with. Um, I think when I'm okay this is a very general response because that's the only way I know how to frame this whenever I'm out of my comfort zone Mm, yep yeah that could be in a social setting in which I don't know very many people or we're doing Mm -hmm. something I'm not super comfortable with um or it could be at work yeah when I have to present on something in front of people that terrify me because they're Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah no valid yeah yeah or like when I'm working out to a point of, I might pass out. Yeah. And so what does a good life look like to you? You look back and you know, you've had a good life. Like well, it's tying all of that together. I think, like you said, it's learning from your regrets, your mistakes, things Mm -hmm. that didn't go the way that you wanted them to. Yep. Um, I also think it's staying true to your passions to whatever extent possible, maintaining the relationships that are important to you. Yep. Whether that be with friends and family or with hobbies or with an interest that you have. And then I also think something that I did for a while leading up to the pandemic, I'm trying to get back into it, is to push yourself outside of your comfort zone consciously, because I think that's a good way of discovering things that you wouldn't otherwise. Oh, for sure. Or if it's about something that you like. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I used to try to do something once a month. That's impressive. It, it got a little out of control, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I haven't gotten out that level yet uh I mean I guess like traveling alone that for me was a huge Mm -hmm. thing that that counts for at least three months (laughs) (laughs) yeah multiple countries for sure yeah yeah and then Mm -hmm. like I spoke on a panel for the first time at a conference two weeks ago that was out of my comfort zone um and I'm sure that there are things that are coming up that are Mm -hmm. gonna be I'm gonna have ample opportunity to Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think it's just like, put. it's now ne- you never stop learning. Like you push, you mm-hmm. grow, you broaden your horizons, your perspective while yeah. maintaining like things that are important to you. Yeah. Yeah. And so what are you still hoping to pursue or accomplish? Hmm. I know that's a hard one. <laughs> See, I feel like things are going to pop up that I never would have thought of. Um, Ooh. 
that's a good answer. Like just taking on the unknown and like the life as it comes. Yeah, truly. Like taking it all with stride because it's yeah. 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 No, I like, yeah. (laughs) You literally don't know what's coming. So yeah. And every, every new challenge that you do or every new thing, or especially with your job, every new opportunity that comes, it is like presenting. Being okay with not knowing. Yeah. That, what was the question again? (laughs) Well, is what are you still hoping to pursue or accomplish? Yeah. I'm hoping to accomplish being okay with the unknown. There you go. I like that. That is like that. That That is a good one thing that I need to work on. (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and then for my favorite and final question what would you do if you knew you wouldn't fail everybody takes this one very differently which I think is very interesting I have like two different answers in my head Um, great give me both okay so the first one is to play the lottery obviously that's funny it's just like my friend who said they want to rob a bank and I was like I mean I guess you know shoot your shot yeah. whatever it may be yeah for the rest of your life however you yeah. want um, yeah I'm like I want to hit on Harry Styles won't fail yeah. oh yeah <laughs> um and then my other answer I think would be would be related to my career and I think it would really just be like pursuing my dream to the fullest extent of working on international criminal law and victims rights issues for the entirety of my career Mm. at this point I don't know that that's going to happen but if I could pursue that goal and not fail that would be incredible Mm. Um, sounds achievable I mean I hope so and Mm -hmm. I hope I hope within that this is so cheesy but I hope to actually like make a difference yeah in that work so I think if I yeah if I could achieve that without if I could pursue that without failing, I would pursue mm-hmm. making a difference in my line of work. I like, I, I really admire that answer. I think that's a fantastic answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Leah, thank you so much for being here. And even more so, thank you so much for giving me even an ounce of your time for a second time to redo this, to have these conversations again. Like Brown I really appreciate it was just as fun as round one. So I'm I'm glad. And I cannot wait for the book club episode. Like I said before, we'll probably talk about a majority of the same books that we did before. Um, And listeners, you're in for a treat because I still have the video of our previous set of episodes. And that is what I will be putting on Instagram for this set of episodes. And so you'll see me and Leah in her apartment. And that was the first time we did this take. Um, We are now doing it over Zoom because it captures the audio for me. Thank you so much for being here again. I am very thankful for you. And this has been great. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. Yeah. And so interesting. And I'm, I kind of know hopefully what books we're going to talk about in the next episode, but it's going to be very interesting and very, very enlightening. I think. I've been thinking about these books now for weeks. So I might. Please. (laughs) Uh, And everybody stay tuned for the book club episode later this week. Bye everyone. Thank you for listening to Unofficial Book Club, where life and stories meet. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and follow me on Instagram at unofficialbookclubpod. Please don't forget to rate and share with all of your friends. Until next time.